Hey guys, welcome back to the NRL Dom podcast. Again, I'm throwing around the special guest tag, but today I think we have a pretty good one. Uh, I get some blokes on here and we talk hot takes and we talk predictions, but all of us are kind of... We, we sit at the at the waves, at the, at the shallows of the game, where you've been in this game for a long, long time now. So if, it, it almost brings a bit of legitimacy to the podcast, this one. Andy <laughs> Raymond, how you doing, man? Good legend. How are you doing? I'm, mate, I'm excited. I, I'm actually a cricket tragic. I, I mm. love the cricket. I love my test match cricket in particular. I watch every day of every test. Uh, it's an absolute punish for the misses, but I'm... <laughs> Don't particularly care about that one. Um, she's a punish most of the year anyway. Um, <laughs> but there's <laughs> there's nothing like the week before footy season. Oof. All of our teams, none of them are missed a tackle. There's no problems in any yep. club or any side. But more importantly, there's 16 groups of fans that, that are optimistic and that are hopeful. Now, yep. what happens in my experiences over the course of the next five or six months one at a time, a group of fans, their hearts get broken. They realise that it's not this year. But right here, right now, everyone's hopeful. I like it. I, I, like, I liked you brought in the, the missos being punished as well because this week I've had to, me and mine, have <laughs> we've sat down and gone over the schedule. There's a bit going on and then I go, oh, but it'll get a lot better after that because then I'm just gone every weekend watching the footy. So after that, it's fine, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Well, I've picked the brains of many a man this off-season talking about predictions. Mm. Yours is nice and tasty because we're very close. So if these don't go to plan, you're going to be the first to know about it because you're the last cab off the rank, first one to get your Ooh. answers. So, yeah. <laughs> Andy, hit me with your first hot take coming into this season. First hot take, and anyone that knows me or anyone that's heard me knows that I'm a Parramatta Reels tragic, but I genuinely believe this is the year. This is the year for the Mighty Eels. My first ever grand final live and my first really clear memory of rugby league is the 1986 grand final. I was there. Yes, I, I was on nice. the hill. I enjoyed it. Um, the guys that played in that footy side uh, were my heroes as a child. They're, they're also guys that I've, I've had on the podcast over the last year. Uh, and to sit down and go over their recollections of some of those type pieces in history, absolutely phenomenal. I actually think it's the Eels' time, and I don't, I don't subscribe to this premiership window stuff. Um, not, not, not all the time. I, I don't do. I don't subscribe to it with Parramatta. I don't think it has to be this year or it's not going to be for another five or six. But I, yep. I, th I think they're, they're well-rounded enough. Um, and a lot of those players that were, that were immature and experienced players have got another 20 hard games or full mm -hmm. season on board. Mm -hmm. And that counts for a lot in my book. Yeah, the thing with Parramatta as well is, uh, as long as, as we're not subscribing to that premiership window premise, but I remember coming into the start of last season, South Sydney had a few pieces leaving, and they just, mm. maybe not, that, like, that. obviously, everything could click, their window could technically still be open, but that sense of urgency around the club, as if to mm. say, this might be the time that we really have to yeah. gun for this now. I'm kind of vibing that with Parramatta right now. You got some guys like mm. Mitchie should probably be coming of age about now. Like we're mm. about to hit when he is at his uh, what do they say? Like most potential for footy IQ. We're coming mm. into those years, so I, I I don't mind it. And 
everybody that's listening to this podcast know that um, Para are one of the first teams after the Cowboys, my cows, that I'll take a pot mm. shot at because it's just fun to get you guys talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and we're, we're an easy mark too, to be honest. We're a, re- <laughs> we're a really easy mark and we're... We might be a little slow, us Parramatta fans, because we come up with the same line every year. But eventually, <laughs> eventually, we're going to have to be right. Well, who, who who do you think's really leading the charge? Because what I think about Para that is kind of a they're going to be a win by committee kind of team. Because I don't think mm. oh, but there's a couple guys that will give it a good run, but there's no out and out. Tom Travojevic, best fullback. Nathan Cleary, yep. best halfback. They're yep. all round about that top five, like mm. Gutho, Mitchie, Dillbags. They're all uh, all around that top five conversation. Mm. No one's an out-and-out bolter. So do you reckon it's kind of a win-by-committee situation? Yeah, yeah, certainly to a degree. And I think uh, our two front rowers, um, the way they're playing, they're playing career-best footy late last year. And mm-hmm. if they continue on that trajectory, Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell Gillard, mm. they will be they'll be able to beat their opposition in the middle of the park. They'll be able yep. to bend the opposition defensive line. And when your front row and your lock is bending that line, all of a sudden the time opens up for the halves and the spine, um, which in turn opens up time for your outside backs. So, it, for me, the game of football still a really simple one. You've got to run harder. You've got to tackle harder. Mm-hmm. And I see Regan and Junior running harder and, and creating opportunities. Yeah, as far as forward pairings, geez, they've got to be up there. So, yeah. hey, maybe if it's not one of them on their own together, they might be that one out-and-out bolter that you need then. <laughs> uh, I think I think Oregon Kafusi will have a huge year as well. Uh, I'm a massive yeah? rap on, on young Oregon as... Uh, firstly, a, a young man, and, and secondly, as a footballer, he's still only tender in years, and a front rower doesn't mature and doesn't play his best football until well into his 20s, probably late 20s, maybe even 30. But I think Oregon's something special. He's mm-hmm. going to excel at the Sharks when he gets there, but I, I think he's had enough games now that yeah. he's, he's seasoned, he's hardened up a bit, and when he comes on, it's not going to be so much we're losing with Junior and Regan off, we're, we're going to find something with Oregon coming on. I like that. I like that. Well, hey, it's, it's probably more of, more of a tame one when you look at it, but when you talk to an Eels fan, it probably doesn't feel very tame winning the Premiership, yeah. does it? Because yeah. the rest of us, you go, well, they're, they're going to be there thereabouts most years, but it's been a few years, a fair few times, a bit of a long time between drinks. But I like that. Yes. Book that in. Power to win the whole damn thing. Now, what do you got next for us? Uh, M's, which, you know, it, it's, it's a subjective one and yeah. it's also a difficult one. One suspension, uh, one, yeah. you know, a two week injury in a close field is going to yeah. rule anyone out of Dally M. I've got James Tedesco winning the Dally M. I think yeah. he, he is in a football side that he will poll most points, most mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when they win and when they win well, often it will be on the back of James Tedesco. Uh, no big surprise there. But I guess my hot take here is the two leading forwards in the Dallium race at the end of the year. I think it'll be Payne Haas and Stefano Utoikamanu from yes. the West Tigers. Another another young gun, very much in the Payne Haas mould. Yeah, he definitely. Is, you know, he, he's another 20 games into his career following last year. He's another 20 games harder. Um, He's another 20 games smarter. I think it's going to be a breakout year for Stefano. And I would also be tipping him to be 
right on the edge of state of origin selection. Um, if if he continues on his trajectory, uh, the only issue with Stefano is going to be playing in a side yeah. that might not win as many games as, yeah. as a West Tigers fan would like. Because, hey, that's where I'll pull you up because we spoke about yeah. every 16 teams having some form of hope. Mm. Some of us and a lot of my Tigers friends do not share that sentiment. But no. like, when a guy like Stefano walks through the room, forgive me if I'm wrong, he walked out with Rookie of the Year for the Tigers last year, I believe. Mm. Um, I mean, he's just... How, he is, you've, you've nailed it. Uh, Payne Haas build. And from everything I'm hearing, I mean, every player in every... Uh, system right now is training the house down if you ask him mm. but the reports are that he's just ready to go when he's fit and I was talking to a Tigers fan when they were playing the Roosters in the trial match and he goes mm. hey, you notice Stefano hasn't come off the field yet he's just going to keep yeah. going and going and going he's got the ticker for it um, mm. I'm really excited especially when you get into that fantasy sports super coach realm too he's a guy that I'm looking at that not a lot of people are and I'm like ooh, I, I, I could get on something like that um, Stefano's as as... also got a huge advantage, mate, in the fact the two props or the two senior props at the West Tigers are James mm. Tamo and Alex Twal. And James Tamo and Alex Twal have both got a reputation for being the ultimate professional. And mm-hmm. Stefano, at a very young age, has learnt that it does matter what he eats, it does matter yep. how often he stretches. It does matter how often he wakes up in the middle of the night putting the ice pack on or changing the ice pack. Um, So his prehab and his preparation probably belies his tender years. So he he is developing into a very professional, very mature young man at a young age. See, this is why I need you on here. Because when me and Clarky and me and Guru get... We we didn't mention ice packs once. Not even an ice pack. (laughs) We didn't... (laughs) To be completely honest with you... Never even entered my mind the changing of an ice pack, but here we are. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's what comes with being around the game for so long. But I, I getting back to Teddy, I think, mm. um, and I've said it a few times, because he's so good, he fades out of the mind for a lot of people. Yeah. Because I think for so long, we've been thinking, we've been saying out loud, well, he's probably the next best thing after James Tedesco. And then after a mm. while, you just stop ranking people next to Teddy. And then all of a sudden, he's fallen out of the mouths of a lot of people, I feel. And he's playing Mm. for a side that I've got odds on to win the whole thing. Uh, They're just... uh, After Parramatta, of course, at least for the next 20 minutes. Of course, (laughs) yeah. And and it will run through Teddy. And I think on his day, he still is the best fullback in the world, in my opinion, anyway. And um, I just think people get a bit caught up in the now and what's happening right now. And obviously, Tommy's doing crazy things. Uh, He's Mm. making people look like... Uh, under eights, but Teddy, when he's on, he's on, and no one's going to stop him. I think uh, no one doesn't uh, respect him or doesn't uh, obviously mm. admit that he's so good. But I just think people are st- starting to forget. I think also a lot of people discounted the Roosters last year to all the injuries, going, "Oh, mm. they might just be struggling." But then you look back and they go, "Oh, they didn't actually struggle that much at all." No, nah, that's right. <laughs> so, so I think that's been year... happening since 1908. Um, <laughs> you know, a guy that that has set a, a platform or a benchmark and the other young guns try and chase him. And all the young mm. guns are trying to chase and trying to eclipse James Tedesco. And it's happened back over the generations in every single position over a number of times. We just almost by default put Teddy on top and forget yep. about him. And we start judging the number one fullback in the game as the number two fullback because yep. Teddy's up there. 
Yeah. Um, I still think he's got plenty of football left in him. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. But again, it, you know, a Dally M race comes down to uh, a sprained ankle, a, mm-hmm. a, a broken thumb, something you can't control. Uh, and that, that again, is going to have huge ramifications on the makeup of, of probably not the makeup of the final eight, but the order of the final eight mm. uh, and, and who holds the trophy at the end of the year. If you take out two players from any football side, you could mount a challenge that there is no way they can win the premiership. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, oh, let, let's go completely roundabout with this. Stefano was the last name you said, so let's go all the way back around to Payne Haas. Um, I think it's interesting with him that in a side that's struggled, he's just mm. been somewhat of a shining light and just still gets about yeah. his business and just gets on with it, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Um, amazing cardio and amazing training mm. and an amazing motor. Um, and I was speaking to one of the Broncos trainers and also the Broncos coach uh, last weekend. And and these are two guys that have been around since the mid-1980s and they have never seen anything so big move so well. Yep. Uh, and that's, you know, and this is state of origin. This is yeah. uh, for the kangaroos. Uh, what an endorsement that is on, on a young bloke like Payne Haas the real fear with pain is is going to be burnout. And that is just a reality that, that a lot of coaches yeah. face when when your main man is a middle man and it, it's it's physical, it's 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 draining, and you're required to do that every single week and you're not mm-hmm, getting the mm-hmm. backup you deserve. Um, I think pain gets a, a lot more backup with Flegler, James, yep. Hetherington this year. But he's going to need it because otherwise we're going to end up with a 27-year-old Payne Haas who's got nothing left. Very similar in the in the, in the same theory to uh, the Cowboys protecting yes. Jason Jason Tamalolo. If mm-hmm. if Jason was to keep going and doing what he was doing over the last three or four years, he would have got old real quick. Yep. And uh, so there's an element of care and a duty of care for the coaches to kick the asses of the blokes that need their asses kicked to help yep. this guy, yep. but also to protect this guy against himself because he's such a competitor. Yeah, it's it's a fine line. It's, and as a Cows fan, watching Lolo get moved around last year to a few different places, mm. and like obviously last year it's a hard one because he was so stop start stop start. I was looking at the yeah. stats today because I was talking about him when the news broke, uh, saying that they they think they'll move him back to thirteen this year and he'll play there mm. all season. Um, and I was looking at it, and he, he in one less game had about one thousand less run meters last year, and mm. it's like trying to find that fine line between keeping you around for the whole contract and getting yep. the most out of you right now. And mm. um, I joke about it. I joke about this five-year plan that we're in at, at the Cows. Mm. We're in year two of the five-year plan. Um, but that's pretty much what it is for Toddy. Like, we probably don't need Lolo doing everything right now. If you can put him not on ice, but get everything out of him you need while the rest of the pieces kind of catch up, and then maybe mm. you give it back a little bit. I'm not an NRL coach, so I wouldn't be able to tell mm. you, but trying to find that fine line between not running someone into the ground and also not utilizing them completely has got to be a hard job. It, it's it's a juggling act that not everyone's going to be satisfied with. Mm. Um, the ones that need to be satisfied with it are the ones you know in that inner circle. And 
mate, I've been around the game 32 years. I'm in dressing rooms. I'm at training. I'm on the phone to them. If I showed you the list of phone calls and text messages <laughs> that I have had today with current and former players, it'd blow your mind. <laughs> um, so I, I get I get to hear inside stories. And it is such a fine line, you know, not burning out a player, but extracting the Mm. best out of them. My theory is, well, your recruitment's poor because you haven't got anyone helping him or or the blokes that are in the side that should be helping him need to lift their game. They're the ones that need to be, Mm -hmm. you know, kicked up the arse. So a really difficult one for, for the Cowboys. In that theory, really difficult one for the Broncos in Payne's case too. Mm, mm, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much happy with all those, and uh, I don't think you're going to put too many noses out. Um, some people will probably be asking me who Stefano is that don't watch enough footy, but other mm. than that, I like it a lot. Um, yeah. Well, hit, hit hit me with what's your last one, the big one, the number three. I don't know if it's the big one. It's it's the left field one. I think the NRL judiciary actually implodes. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure of the mess it makes. I'm not sure if Ricky Stewart might be behind it or or one of the players, but I actually think the NRL judiciary implodes this year. It's um, been a bit of a mess. Well, what? You know, suspensions and, and not suspensions and this game counts and this doesn't oh. count. And what the hell are you all talking about? Yep. Um, I actually think... Uh, yeah, even going back to the, the Paul Gallon punching Nate Miles yep. in State of Origin and all of a sudden there's no more punches. Um, yep. I thought that was a reactive move and a move to uh, make the mums confident that, that their little kid wouldn't get punched in a game of footy. There yep. are far more dangerous acts oh. in, in a game of footy than two blokes swinging at each other. This cannonball crap and this yep. hip drop crap that has gotten to the game, um, how light they were on that from this second week of the trials, although it was disgusting. 750 and bucks for the cannonballs, a bit out of, out of pocket. Hey, I didn't really make a pocket. lot of sense of that. One game for James Tamo as well. Um, there was an opportunity to clean up that area of the game in one weekend and the NRL missed it. But what's yes. strange too is then you get to like Tyro uh, Fui Maono and he's out for five. It's like where's yeah. where's this line? Yeah, <laughs> where, where, where is the line? What's happening there? And then they're changing their minds on suspensions um, retrospectively. And yeah. They're changing their minds for some people because we think he would have been selected in the All Stars game. Give me a break! Like <laughs> don't, don't don't screw with. Um, don't screw with the game and the fabric of the game, but more importantly, don't screw with the people that make the game, and that's the fans. This is the people's game. It's not the NRL's game. It's not the players' game. This is a game for for us footy tragics, Mm -hmm. and the NRL judiciary... um, they're They're the first ones this year that can hang their head in shame. Jeez, they missed it. Like, as someone that watches the game as much as I do and I'd like to think that I have my ear to the mm. ground quite a bit and sometimes guys go into that judiciary and you've got a pretty good idea of what that outcome's going to be and then they walk out and you just go I didn't even know that was an option 
I didn't even know that was a possible option in this scenario. And I think the regular punter, the regular guy that just goes and watches a game of footy does not understand the loading. They don't understand the good behavior. They don't understand why Latrell couldn't play that game that he was the poster boy for last year. But now because he couldn't play it, he gets to come a gang back earlier. Harry, Mm. he still says, it's just the whole thing's just messy. And, and then you got people like us who come on and try to explain it, and then people will still walk away and be like, you know what, this is too hard. I, d- I don't know if I care anymore, you know? Yeah, and you know what? Um, it's smart from a marketing perspective and a business perspective for a sport not to cater to the tragics completely mm-hmm. because us tragics who know about loading and know about prior incidents we will understand and work out the mathematics of why yep. you only got one week or why you got three weeks and not two. But you don't want to complicate and confuse the average fan that might be thinking about going to the footy. And, and, and as, as 50-50, do I take the kids to the footy or do we go go-kart racing next Saturday? We want to be grabbing them yep. and demanding that they go to the footy. I still, for the life of me, Tommy, I still can't figure out in this day and age with what we know and how we know it, why every ground isn't sold out every single week, no matter who's playing, no matter where they're playing. um, We've got to do a better job in marketing to the masses and not just the tragics. Well, you look at the AFL. I I went and watched a couple games last year up here at the Gabba. And it's not absolutely filled to the brim, but for the amount of marketing that the Lions do compared to the amount of marketing that the Broncos do up here, it just didn't make any sense. And then you look on just on Fox League and Fox Footy, and all these grounds in Melbourne are all sold out. And then you're up here in Queensland, somewhere like the Gold Coast. Arguably, in Queensland, you've only got three teams, so it's almost like a captive audience, and there's no one there. And it's like, well, how's yeah. that happening? How does this yeah. stuff happen? So, no, um, it's, yeah, it's you're crazy. absolutely right. I um no but back on that Paul Gallen thing I've got a few I have a few uh, posters on the wall saying like before and after things that changed the game and that's absolutely one of them I remember sitting mm. there um as a absolutely one eyed Queensland fan surprised he didn't get sent off God I wish he just got sent off and then <laughs> because there would have been no uproar I sit there yelling at the TV going how's he still on the field and then the next day the game changed forever so yeah, <laughs> maybe ten in the bin did. probably would have sold it <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell you a really cool inside story I used to host uh, this is going back a few years now I used to host uh, a show on Fox Sports that started out uh, called NRL Teams and, and moved to NRL Tactics. Mm-hmm. And it was Tuesday night, and basically we would announce the sides um, an hour and a half after they were officially announced by yep. the club. So we would present, and this is before social media sort of really kicked off, we'd present the sides to you with the ins and outs and, mm-hmm. and why. Uh, mm-hmm. And we would go over different options the coaches had, different tactics the coaches were using. So I was the host and we had um, guests on a rotation. We had uh, Stewie Raper, we had Brett Kamali, we had Mark O'Neill, Trent Barrett, Scotty Sattler did it, mm-hmm. Paul Gallen, Braitha Nasta and Nate Miles. And this is even before the Origin Punch-Up. Right. And once we released... Um, you know, who the group was on a rotating system with me, I got a message within five minutes from both Gallon and Miles, don't put me on the same show as that. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. So there's bad blood there from the start. Exactly right. So it, it didn't start that night. Uh, there, there was a history. They couldn't stand each other. And uh, and that's how it, it finished up. But uh, where it started, who would know? <laughs> it's always fun going back and seeing like these old like rivalries like Mick Innes has got a few book of in his book of feuds and you go back and watch old games and you go look at him just giving it to him that's probably why he doesn't like him that's probably yeah <laughs> Mick, Mick Innes is going to end up with a long bloody list isn't he <laughs> well I like them all three of those are great the implosion of the judiciary I mean yeah <laughs> not as crazy as it is it sounds a bit thought out a bit maniacal you might have some something up your sleeve to make that happen I've, I've <laughs> Or, or, or maybe, or maybe the things and ideas that wander around in my head are just a little bit more damaging and severe than others. I don't know. Well, there you have it. From from the horse's mouth, I mean, as far as they go, it, not not as wild and out there as the Will Kennedy Dally M, but that's probably because you're a bit more based in reality than someone like me. So we, <laughs> but then again, we're starting off as the recap with power winning the whole thing. So it depends how in reality we are. It depends who you're yeah, asking. Exactly <laughs> so, right. Power to win the whole thing, Teddy to win the Dally M and Stefano and Payne to get the front row. And then obviously the implosion of the judiciary to make a, make one Andy smile at least. <laughs> Thanks yeah, exactly for coming on. Right. I mean, I, I say this a lot, but um, if, if they know who uh, I am, they definitely know who you are, but let them know where they can find you. Yeah, uh, that, all my social medias. I put a lot of thought into this, uh, into a title that was easy. So, the Andy Raymond. <laughs> my marketing brain obviously just not working. And we're doing a, we're doing a podcast, Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Mm-hmm. And to start the season... Um, we've got a two-part interview with the legendary Peter Sterling, and this oh. is one of the one of the greatest interviews I've done in 32 years. It is—he is just a wonderful bloke with a wonderful football mind. Yeah, uh, and and we cover the four premierships. We cover the two kangaroo tours, the Clive Churchill Medal, the Golden Boot. Um, we t- we talk about Jack Gibson. But this is Peter in, in Peter's words. It is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Uh, so that's early in the week. Then late in the week, we're putting out a podcast in season called The Weekly Wodge. And mm-hmm. it's it's just, it it is nonstop. It is full on. It's footy. It's laughs. <laughs> it's different stuff. But on any one episode, you can hear a dozen, yeah, 12 current or former players all in the one podcast with wow. interviews. Next week, our first week, we've got uh, Peter Sterling, uh, New Zealand's greatest ever, Mark Graham, the immortal Wally Lewis, Cody oh. Walker, Nathan oh. Brown, Lottie DeKiri, Andrew McCulloch, Craig Fitzgibbon, Bailey Simonson, Jamal Fogarty, Luke Thompson, and Lachlan Croker. And that is all in the one podcast. There is footy talk. There is Jeez. garbage talk. It and is if you ever lose your phone, there's, there's no secret yeah. who took it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> jeez, so, yeah, well that, jeez. Big, big year ahead. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, and obviously you guys know where to find me if you found this podcast, NRL underscore Don on all social platforms. Thanks again for coming on. That was good fun. And uh, hey, we're very, very close to the footy now kicking off. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. 
Look forward to it, mate, and we'll do it again throughout the year at some stage and see how these uh, predictions are going, eh? Sounds good. Yeah, it'd be good to good to check in. <laughs>